Audio rolling, everything good so far. Um, welcome back. I'm Red Karan. Uh, this is episode 13 of Streams. Um, for those of you who don't know why the the show is called Streams, um, I just want to clarify. I've clarified it in a few different episodes, but the 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 name Streams just literally refers to a stream of consciousness that I'm having about any given topic. And I want people to also understand that this show might take on different faces sometimes. Um, so don't get married to the format. It's going to evolve as I evolve and as I figure out my niche with, with this type of content. Um, I'm even flirting with the idea of like streaming, uh, like playing a game while I'm talking and having it sort of split screen or screen in picture in picture. Um, I don't know yet, but I'm going to experiment with the formatting but this show is not about anything in particular. Sometimes it could be pop culture, although I do try to stay away from that. I don't really like talking about, like, things that are, you know, just passing in the moment. Those things don't really, a, a lot of times, not all the time, those things don't really impact actual, like, social change or, like, the the concept of philosophy. Philosophy is a major word to me. It's a, it's a very important word in in terms of, what I'm doing here. I just like, uh, I just like exploring ideas and, 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 and systems in the way that we think about things and the way that we view things, which is philosophy to me. It's like, you know, if a tree falls in a forest and no one's around to hear it, does it make a sound? You know, that it doesn't matter. The, the, the concept of that argument, that question in terms of philosophy has never been about the answer. It's been about a pr figuring out how you get to your answer. How, why do you believe it makes a sound or it doesn't make a sound? So typically when I get on these episodes and I try to talk about things, I try to talk about things like that, like things that make you think and things that, you know, I'm not here to say anyone's wrong or right. I'm not here to be right or wrong. I'm just here to talk and share my thoughts with you guys, the audience. But most importantly, I want to I wanted to present an opportunity for an exchange of beliefs and philosophies and an exchange of um, you know, your intelligence versus my intelligence and why you might disagree or agree with me. I'm not afraid of being disagreed with. I don't care about that. Because I'm not here to be right. I'm just here to be um, considered. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, this is Streams episode 13. I'm Red Karan, engineer extraordinaire, sort of a producer, but I don't really love that anymore. I'm an artist. The song that you heard in the intro of this video um, is a song called Time Ain't Real um, on an album that's not even out yet. But I put it in there anyway because I just like the way it sounds. I plan on actually doing an episode breaking that song down because I think that song is sort of philosophical in the way that it examines time and what time really is and how life can be perceived. But today, um, I'm talking about uh, the topic that I had, I wrote down a couple weeks ago, is why... Is life worth living? Why is why why is life worth living? Now, when you hear that that actual 
like those words strung together like that. I don't want it to come off like I'm saying life is not worth living. That's not the point. I'm not saying like, oh, it's, you know, all of it is pointless. That's not what I'm, that's not the purpose of the topic. The purpose of the topic is to approach philosophically why, first of all, why we're here. Existentially, you know, thinking existentially, why are we here? What is this? You know, some people believe it's a simulation. Some people believe it's a test. Some people believe it's a dream. Some people believe it's hell. Some people believe this is um, just nature, you know. Um, on another level, you could say, why is life worth living from a mental health standpoint? For those of us that have suffered from um, uh, poor mental health, suicidal thoughts and things like that, um, I think a question that all of us in that position have asked at some point is, What's keeping me here? Why am I here? Why am I choosing to do this day in and day out? Why do I wake up? Why do I go to work? Why do I brush my teeth? Why do I do anything? You know what I'm saying? And then from another point, why is why, why, uh, life worth living? You can almost ap approach it religiously. You know, is this, um, you know, like a lot of people are of the belief that life was a gift given by the God that they worship and that it should be respected as such and not be taken for granted and it should be lived to completion and it should be done carefully, you know, with tact and thought so that uh, you show full true appreciation for said gift. Um, I don't know how I want to approach this, as always, but I'll, I'll just go. Um, when I, I don't know, again, I don't know what inspired me to write this topic down. I'm sure it was something. But when I read that on my list of topics, I go straight to the existential. You know, one of the greatest mysteries of life is I mean, we all know how we got here. We came by way of a woman's womb. My mom, my mother gave me birth. She gave birth to me and gave me life. I mean, which is one of the reasons why I've always said that God is probably a woman and that black women are God. Um, and that's not to pander because y'all still be on bullshit. But... I think, in theory, I think the archetype of what God is, it would have to be a woman with a womb to create life. And the, all of this could be figurative or it could be literal, literal. I don't know. None of us do. But it's just a theory that I've had that I don't have a problem believing in, you know. But we all know how we physically, literally got here. Um, through conception and then through birth, whether by C-section or actually through a woman's legs and vagina. You know, it's a beautiful concept. But then as you grow, you gain sentience and, and awareness. We all probably at more times, more times than we are, we'll care to admit, 
we could be going through something or we could be not be going through anything at all. We might ask the question, why are we here, though? What purpose are we serving? And furthermore, how did we get here? You know, based on, uh, I guess it's archaeology or genealogy or, you know, looking at um, tracing DNA back because DNA, I don't know, I don't understand the concept of DNA through and through. I'm not a doctor or scientist or anything. But as far as I know, DNA contains everything. Like, the DNA that runs through you is like a record of everything that precedes you. And I've been hearing this concept of the Akashic Records um, late a lot lately. I heard it on Instagram, and I watched the interview of Cabo Kameen and, and 19 Keys, and I think they were talking about uh, forgive me if I'm saying his name correct, but his first name is definitely Kaba with a K, K-A-B-A. But him and 19 Keys did an interview and he was talking about the Akashic Records. And when he was talking about that, the thing that I kept thinking about was was like DNA. Because the thing, the thing that I've always heard was like your DNA contains everything that precedes you or at least back to a certain point at least, but it goes back far of your family. Like my father's, entire code lies within me right so it's like dna might be the akashic records or dna might be a piece of the akashic records or some sort of you know dna might be its own thing but it's like similar to the akashic records in that it keeps a record of everything your entire family is within you or your entire recent history is within you and that includes traumas, experiences, flaws, mannerisms, the way we think, our thought process, um, our fears and anxieties. I remember growing up judging my father about certain things because I was his son and I had to bear the brunt of his shortcomings as his son. He was a young man raising me, him and my mom. My mom had me at 22. I think he was 24. They had me. And they learned on the way, along the way. I mean, they learned along the way. And um, I would I would watch him go through these things internally and externally. And I would wonder, why is he like that? Why is he so angry? Why is he so scary? Why is he so strong? Why is he so mean? Why does he love so deeply too? Why is he so emotional? And it's, I don't mean in a bad way. My father's a very emotional man, meaning I'm, I'm not saying emotional in the sense that he just trip about everything. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying emotional in the sense that he's deeply feeling. He cares about things and, and, and considering the type of per where he comes from, it would almost you would almost imagine that he would be totally heartless because of the things that I know that he's been through, where he comes from, how he was poured into or lack thereof, right? But yet and still, he's very deeply feeling and emotional and loving and kind when he's not angry. And irate, he's very kind. 
It's very loving and kind. And I used to watch him not having the answers as a kid growing up, not understanding him. And then I got older and I was the same exact way, almost to a T. And in some ways, I actually believe that I can be worse than him. I know he has anger problems. And I've seen his, I've seen his anger problems manifest them, themselves in ways that are not ideal. Um, and I was always like, man, you know, why is he like that? But then to get, to grow up, get in the position of, of, of adulthood and parenthood, and then to be faced with these challenges that I didn't know were challenges back then, like I was the challenge. I was his son. Now I have sons. And now I see what he was going through. I understand what it feels like. I understand why certain things made him angry or why he couldn't tolerate some of my mistakes because there isn't, where we come from, there's not much room for mistakes. But back then as a kid, I used to just, like, it just, like, I just forgot to call you. I didn't, I wasn't trying to intentionally, like, make you worry. Like, why is he tripping on me so hard about not knowing where I was? Now I have a son and it terrifies me to think about that. Granted, my son is only five, so I haven't really come across that. It's not like my son is freely walking around like I was at, you know, at a young age. I was walking around downtown. When I would get out of school, I'd be anywhere I wanted to be, essentially, because I, there was enough trust there for me to have the freedom to do things. All he asked for was, you know, check in with me sometimes, let me know where you at, or be where I tell you to be when I need when I tell you to be there. And sometimes I wouldn't be, and he would trip out. And I understand now that it was just, it was a, it was a reaction to his fear, and it was a all, it was all a result of his love for me. And I understand that so much now. And I understand why he would ride me so hard about certain things because he was terrified because it was that's, that's what love feels like sometimes. You're terrified, romantically and platonically. Love is scary, and it invokes a lot of neg negative emotions around it because of what it, it's like the weight of what love is, you know, it'll make you act crazy. But I'm saying all this to say, like, I almost feel like mannerisms and the way that we process things emotionally and mentally is all hereditary. I've even seen things, not personally, but I've seen stories where, say there'll be a guy that grows up without his father, right? And he'll grow up and become his own man and have his own influences and be raised by whoever he's raised by. He just doesn't have his father. Then he'll meet his father later in life when he's already whoever he's going to be, only to find out that he just naturally has mannerisms and similarities to a father that he never even knew. Because some people make the argument that we pick up our, our mannerisms and our traits simply through replicating what we see or, you know, just absorbing things subconsciously. But how do you explain that? How could you have the mannerisms of someone that you've never even met? 
How could you feel and think the same way that a person you've never even met feels and thinks? How? I know it seems like I'm off topic, off topic, but I'm not. Because this all lends, it lends to the mystery of what life really is. How can you be like something that you don't know exists? And then only to find out later by meeting your father or, or an estranged relative, only to find out that, wow, DNA really does determine similarities and, you know, whatever else it determines, but it it works. So it either makes you think that science is powerful, the science of DNA and the relativity of people, or it makes you think from a religious standpoint and say, God is real. Maybe. Maybe God is real. Because if he created us all with these systems in place, meaning DNA, and how it determines what you inherit, you know, biologically. That's amazing. It's magical. It's like, it doesn't make any, it doesn't make any sense, bro. So if you look at the end of that web of thoughts, when you go to the very, the, the, the apex of it or the root of it, Like if a concept is a tree, if you look at the root of it, it makes you wonder why do things work these ways? Is there a creator or is this all just nature's design? And either way, it's amazing either way. But it begs the question, what is life? Why are we doing this? Sometimes I literally wake up and wonder why I'm doing this. Why do I choose to do this? Me, personally. And I know people that do the same thing. Why do I wake up and do this every day? Why not just leave, meaning <laughs> self-deleting? <laughs> Why do I not just leave? I felt like that since I was in single-digit ages. Why am I doing this? What is the purpose? I think finding a purpose is something that's very important, but it's not easy. What is what is a what is a purpose? Let's look up the definition of purpose just for giggles. The reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. Wow, I don't think I've ever seen the definition of purpose before. What is our purpose individually and collectively? What are we doing here as a people? What is the goal? Is it just self-preservation like every other animal? You know, if, if you look at, so we, we, we tend to subconsciously separate ourselves from, let's just say like dogs, cats, deer, bulls, cows, buffalo, frogs, whatever animal you want to, you want a name, right? We we separate ourselves in this hierarchy like, no, we're people. Those are animals. I've never been of the belief of that. I think we're all animals. We're all living beings inhabiting the same place, sharing spaces, sharing air, sharing resources. The same wood that we use to make 
paper and desks and furniture is the same wood that a beaver would use to build its dam, right? We're sharing resources. We're sharing a home. Because just because you live in a house doesn't separate you from the fact that you rely on a healthy planet, a healthy plane of existence, you know? So, with that being said, when you watch animals in the way that they maintain, the way that they fight for survival, I used to watch a lot of nature documentaries and um, TV shows, watching lions and hyenas and showing all sorts of animals and the daily, the things that they go through daily and the way a tribe might function over seasons and the way that they structure themselves to ensure their survival. And they, uh, they appoint leaders and they fight for leadership and all of these things. But I remember watching these shows always asking, why are they doing this? And the reason that I say that is because especially animals, like a lot of animals don't have long lifespans like humans do. You have turtles and some, there are some animals that live long lives. There's animals that live longer than us. There's been turtles that have lived to 150 years, 200 years old, 300 year old trees and 4,000 year old trees and things like that. And yes, trees are living beings. They're not just furniture. Trees are living. But most animals don't live very long, and it's because of the conditions that they live in. They're either killed by something or it's just the harshness of their environment that doesn't allow for a long life. So everything is going to die, and a lot of animals don't live very long. Some animals, like insects, that insects are animals. There are some insects that only live for a few days, but they spend their lives trying to reproduce or contribute to a colony to ensure survival. But it's like, why is that hardwired into everything? It almost seems like a part of an intelligent design. Because, for instance, like a bee, a honeybee, a, a, a bumblebee, whatever type of bee, whatever bee pollinates and, you know, they contribute to the ebbs and flows of what allow this earth to function as an inhabitable environment. They pollinate, they germinate, they create honey, which is sustenance for a lot of living animals aside from bees, right? So they're a part of an ecosystem that contributes to us all living. So they know the importance of them surviving because if they don't, we, none of us do. Right? It's like they know that. The reason I'm saying that is because for an animal that only lives for a very short amount of time, why are you devoting all of your living days to reproducing for what? If I'm a lion that only lives, let's, <laughs> let's look up the average lifespan of a lion. Wow. So for an adult, 15 to 16 years, they only live to be teenagers. For a, for a female adult, 
for a male adult, they only live to be eight to 10 years old. If I lived, I'm, a, I'm already 35. I've lived three and a half lifetimes of an, of an adult male lion. Right? I'm 34. Right? So if I'm only, if I'm, if I'm only living eight to 10 years, what is it encoded into that lion that makes it spend its entire eight years in the pursuit of reproducing with a female lion, a lioness, to ensure that his bloodline passes to the next stage? Not all of them get to do that, but it's the purpose of their living. That's their purpose. That's all they do. Lions don't build computers. They don't care about that. Lions don't make highways and they don't drive cars or they don't play video games. Lions don't watch sports. Lions just be born. They're raised to adulthood. And they spend their lives for dominance. They spend their lives in search of dominance, a partner or a harem to reproduce with and to raise their children once they have them and to feed their children and to protect their children after that until they die. But let's just say, from the lion's perspective, what if they were to gain enough sentience to just ask, why? For the individual, I could just die as a lion, right? If I'm, say I'm four years old as a lion and I only got four to six more years to live, if I gained enough sentience to like look around me and realize what I'm doing, why would they just not decide to just be like this? I'm not about to fight for reproducing with this male lioness. I mean, this female lion, lion so that I could just have some kids to re to like just restart this process over and over again. Fuck it, I'm gonna die anyway. Why not just like be a, a lone lion, a nomad, and just be like, this, I'll do whatever I want until I die. Why have kids? Why contribute to the cycle? See, when I think about that, it almost seems as if there is an intelligent design that made us all feel, all animals feel like there is a need to keep this going. It's encoded inside of us to, to want to keep going, even if it doesn't make any sense. I ask myself a lot of times, why do people have kids? Why? I have two kids and I don't know the answer to that. I know on a, in a superficial way, and I'm not saying that I, re, I necessarily regret having kids. I love my kids. I'm tired, but I'm glad my kids exist, and I'm glad I got to feel what this type of love feels like. I'm glad I got to see myself in someone else. I'm glad I get to have someone that calls me dad. But when I ask myself, why? Why did I have kids? Like, 
I'm not saying in a selfish way. I'm literally saying philosophically, in a practical way of thinking, why do we have kids? Why? When you ask some people that, they'll say to pass, it's like to to allow my legacy to live on, which is all ego to me. I used to say that. Like, I want, you know, I want to have kids to make, like to have my, I want my legacy to live on. We was at Thanksgiving dinner. Me and my, me and my older cousin were sitting at the dinner table. It was me, my girlfriend, my cousin, Derek. Um, my cousin, Devin, he's younger than us. I think he's younger than me by like four years or five years, something like that. His sister, Alexis, I think my sister and her boyfriend were sitting there too. And my cousin, Devin, my younger cousin was younger than me by like four or five years, was talking about he wants to have kids eventually and he wants to settle down. And I think Derek, my older older cousin, said, don't do it or something like that, right? And then it started into a conversation about not having kids and we were advising him to at least wait or not to do it at all. And he was like, you know, it was like a lighthearted conversation and we were just kind of joking around and stuff. But like my cousin, my older cousin, Derek, was dead serious. And I am too, actually. I want to present the idea to more people in the same way that we talk about college, right? Like, everybody doesn't have to go to college. They told us that, that we do. You're a failure unless you go to college. You know, you won't make it unless you go to college. Especially 50, 60 years ago, that was the thing. Like, if you didn't go to college, you're doomed. But we've seen millions of examples of that not being true. Well, guess what? The same goes for kids. Bro, you don't have to have kids. You don't. Just think about it. Why? Why do you, you know, you don't, I remember my, another one of my older cousins, Will, he's three years older than me. When we were kids, sometimes we would talk about our futures and it would just be like, you know, I'm gonna have kids or it would just be in reference to anything random. Like it'd just be like, I'll never let my kid do something like that. And it would, it would sometimes it would lead my cousin Will to say, I'm not having no kids. And I remember being young, like, why would you not have kids? Like, that's crazy. Like, you're not going to have kids, bro? That's weird. Now that I'm grown with kids, like, that, that nigga wasn't crazy at all. That nigga was on to something. And this is not, I'm not saying I wish I didn't have my kids, but I'm just saying, you start thinking like, why am I doing this? Like, what is the purpose of me feeling like I have to have kids? Now, if you want kids, you have my blessings. I'm not saying, like, I wanted kids. I did it on purpose. But thinking more about these concepts and why they're important to us 
it just begged the question, like, why do we feel obligated to have kids? I love this topic. One of my theories of why some people have kids, you know, people say, I want to pass my legacy. Though I didn't even finish the story. So Devin was talking about having kids. And Derek told him, like, don't do that. And we was laughing and joking and stuff. And then Devin was like, but what about, like, I want to pass my legacy on. I want to have a son that can, like, carry my name. And Derek was like, he essentially was like, man, what are you talking about? Like, what does that even mean? I think I remember before Derek was like, man, fuck my legacy. Like, <laughs> and he got three kids. He got three sons. Like, of all varying age range, like, ages, too. Like, so what I'm saying is he's experienced all of the, the like, the father-to-son dynamic, aside from his sons being, like, grown. He's experienced, he's experienced all of it. He got, like, a 17, 16-year-old, like, a 10, 12, 11-year-old, whatever it is, and then, like, a 5-year-old. He, like, bro, He now he's, like, Boy, I done been through the ringer. I know what this is about. He's telling other people, like, bro. He even told his own kids, like, don't have kids just because. Like, if you want kids, make sure it's something you really want and not, not a societal pressure, not something that people are making you do because it would be weird not to do it. But my cousin Devin said that, like, bro, what about my legacy? And then I think about that, like, what about your legacy? Who are you? Right now, living, I am one of 8 billion people. Of all time, I'm one of, like, several hundred billion people, probably. Who am I, bro? What legacy? All of this is going to be lost to time anyway. My grandkids might remember me. Should I ever have any? My kids will remember me. But my great-grandkids probably won't even know who I am. Bro, I barely even know my grandfather. And I know him. I knew him. I saw him. I don't know who his father was, though. I have no idea who his father was. I don't even know his name. I could pull it up. Like We, we, we got a family tree. But I never met him. He was probably dead long before I was born. So, I mean, legacy isn't individual to individual. Legacy is the whole pie. So I do understand that. Like, legacy is my mom, my father, my grandfather, his father, you know, and so on and so forth. I don't have to personally know all of the pieces. And the family tree does a good job of telling, like, we have a literal PDF file of our family tree going back to the 1800s. Right. So the family tree does a good job of like keeping track of our legacy. And there's like public records where you could trace people's families back hundreds and hundreds of years. All of that is cool. So legacy is important, I guess, if it's important to you. But all I'm saying is, bro, who am I, bro? And that's not I'm, I'm not self-deprecating. I'm just saying in the grand scheme of life, the whole picture, I'm just one person. 
it's not absolutely necessary for me to have kids for me to make a mark. I've made music that will live longer than all of us. You know, should it not be forgotten to time? But guess what? Time is very powerful in a sense that it can destroy anything. <laughs> time can destroy anything except itself. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Boy, I love this topic. But I was going to say, wrapping back around to what I was going to say, I have a theory that I believe in, actually. And I've heard this theory from other people, so I know other people believe in it. That the reason that we have kids is because we want to achieve immortality. And immortality is nothing more than giving birth to a seed that will essentially be a copy of you that will go forth. Not that you get to live again necessarily, but you get to live again by giving life to someone that will live beyond you. It's like making a clone of yourself. Think about that. Like, think about the movies and the video games and things where they, they discover, they, 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 they experiment with the concept of clones, right? They make some sort of secret agent, but then the secret agent finds out that he's just one clone out of like dozens of clones, right? The idea is that, yes, he is a clone of someone, right? But he doesn't even have to be aware of it to be a part of the immortality that is the purpose of this cloning. Like a person will clone themselves so that, what was that I was just watching? So the new Avatar movie, right? The new Avatar movie, is spoiler alert, the newest Avatar movie that came out in 2022. Me and my girl, my girlfriend took me to see that movie. One of the coolest parts of that movie to me was the, 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 the soldier, the general, the guy, the evil guy in the first movie ends up dying in the first movie. Then he is cloned in this new movie, and it's the same guy. But he is not aware of his past life in any sense other than just knowing what happened because he was told what happened. But he doesn't even feel the same way that the, the, the original person feels. There was points in the movies where he, he was talking about, like, he was like, no, that was that guy. That's not how I feel. He was, like, trying to ease somebody and saying, like, I'm not, I'm not out to kill you. That was the guy that I'm cloned after. But I'm not even on that. He separated himself in thinking from the person he was cloned from. That's trippy. It's trippy, bro. Because, yes, he's a clone but he doesn't carry the same ideologies. He doesn't have the same agendas, but he is match for match, double helix for double helix, the same person. That makes me think about my kids. I think it was my homie Antoine I had this conversation with years ago about true immortality is just giving birth because I get to live a second life through my kids. It's just two different instances that will go in different directions. 
I have two sons. Their lives will be totally different. Even though they grew up together, they have the same parents, they grew up in the same city, they live in the same house, they'll probably end up going to the same school. But their lives are still going to go in two totally different directions. But they're still both my sons. So it's like I'm, I have my life that I'm living here, right? But my life is my father's life. I am the second coming of my father. I am the third coming of my grandfather. My dad is the second coming of his father or whatever. You know, so then you look at my sons, right? Both of my sons are two different second comings of me. If you look at it from the standpoint of like achieving immortality and living multiple infinite lives. So guess what that leads me to? We are all God. Living separate, different, disjointed experiences as the same being in different bodies. I'm God. You're God. And by you, I mean all 25 people that are watching this. In the intro of this video, I have a song called Time Ain't Real. And you know what? So I'm going to tell you right now, this is crazy. I love how this is coming together. In my list of topics for this show, I have, for you know, just so you can see that I'm actually looking at a list of topics. You can see that some of them have orange, yellow check marks next to them. Those are topics that I've already done videos about. The ones that don't have an they have an empty circle next to them are topics I have yet to cover, right? On this list, I have I want to do an ep I want to do an episode about the song in the intro of this video, Time Ain't Real. I want to do a breakdown episode of why I wrote that song, what the words mean, what I'm saying, and the concepts that I'm exploring in the lyrics, right? And in that song, I said, we are all God living each iteration of life. Different perspectives for respect. No introspection this time. I'm not going to explain what that means word for word until I actually do that episode. But I will talk about the part that I said, we are all God living each iteration of life. It's like the reason that we have it encoded in us to keep going and reproducing and creating more life and going forward is this because our purpose is to live as God from as many perspectives as he possibly can or as she possibly can to have an understanding of the human experience. It's like, that's why some people believe that life is a simulation or it's a test because I've heard the theory that God is just trying to live life as a racist, as a terrorist, as a man, as a woman, as a gay man, as a gay man living in the 1800s, as a straight woman living in the 1900s, as a firefighter living in 2000, uh, the year 200, I mean, the year 234 or something, like 2,234, like 200 years from now, God has to live every perspective you can imagine. 
every archetype, every religious belief, every sexual orientation, disabilities, ailments, you know, suicidal, happy, rich, poor, middle class, Presbyterian, Baptist, Catholic, whatever, extremists, anarchists, a, uh, uh, atheists, agnosticism, whatever he wants or whatever there is to understand the human condition and what it's like, almost like what it's like to serve as a person underneath that God. I'm going to run myself through the paces to know what it's like. And guess what? When they talk about the story of Jesus and how there's the Trinity, God, the Holy Ghost, and Jesus, Christ, it's like, it's always been described to me. Now, you know, don't jump on my head about the biblical inaccuracy and what I might uh, might be about to say, because I'm not claiming to understand the Bible in its entirety. I don't know it all. But the way that it's always seemed to be described to me was like all three of those beings or whatever they are is the same person, the same thing. Christ is God and the Holy Ghost is Christ and God is all of them. Why would it be any different for me or you? It's like God was the crucified and the crucifier. He came to earth as Christ to live through. It was like he was absolving us from our sins for us through another being, almost as if to distance himself or herself from it. But because they love us, he was freeing us from our sins by coming to earth, suffering for us, and then dying and returning back to where he came from, where she came from in the first place. So I feel like that's why we have this inherent need to keep doing this because it's our purpose. Now, when you talk about end of, that's why I said there's a purpose for all of us as people. I think us as a species, I think us as a planet of multiple species, we all have a purpose. If I'm God, if there is a God, right, and they created what we call earth in creating that earth they had to create the systems that allowed it to function the way that they deemed functional there needs to be oxygen for this being to breathe there needs to be water there needs to be things growing out of the ground for them to sustain there needs to be hot there needs to be cold there needs to be up down left right front center There needs to be 360 degrees. There needs to be all sorts of things that make this planet what it truly is in a physical sense, right? They created these systems that governs our reality, right? In doing that, they had to create animals like bees to pollinate and to make the thing function. So it's like they created a system. Instead of making it machines like we do, we create computers that do everything. We got cell phones. We got credit cards. We got 
vending machines and things that facilitate our needs. But it was like God can create life. So the, the things that he needed, he did through living things. So a bee will pollinate the earth. Beavers will literally change the flow of a river, which affects the ecosystem from the dam going down. They'll change the way vegetation grows. They'll change how much water is available to other animals. And, and it's like everything is a puzzle piece that fits into the grand scheme. And it's like God is all of these things living these experiences and serving these purposes as herself for the purpose of this experiment that we're inside of. So, with that being said, it's like that's the reason why we all continue to reproduce and fight for survival. But here's something that's kind of strange to me. I was I was scrolling somewhere, I don't know, probably Reddit, and I saw this article that says something about millennials need to pull their weight and start having kids because, I mean, they said something about, I think it was about Japan or China, might have been Japan though, where there was twice as many deaths in Japan as there were births. And they blamed it on millennials saying that they're failing to, pick up the baton and procreate to ensure our survival and our, as a species going forward. Now, things like that pop up in my timeline and on the news and stuff. And it may, it re, it's a reminder. It's a reminder that we're a lot more animalistic than we give ourselves credit for. Because here you are like begging people to fuck, begging people to have sex with each other so that our species can survive. Doesn't that sound like any other animal, like, hey, look, we need to start having sex because our colony is getting a little too thin, you know what I'm saying? We need to strengthen our, our colony and we need to multiply. Don't that sound a little bit like animals? But I think that's weird because, one, how are you going to tell people they need to have kids? Because the question that I asked when I read that headline and a little bit of the article was like, No. I mean, the question is, why do they need to do that? And why is a thinning population a problem? And I think that goes into a deeper conversation about capitalism and how governments rely on numbers to get, like, more wealth from people. You need more cattle to sustain your farm, and that's all we are. We're chattel. We're cattle. We are property. We have Social Security numbers to prove it. We all work in a system and pay taxes whether you like it or not. And they rely on that income from you and me, right? So I think that's kind of like the inspiration for a lot of it. But in the grand scheme and the more animalistic, biological way of looking at it, how are you going to, like, what is the problem with there being less people on the earth? If we're talking about global warming every day, and how we need to stop wasting so many resources and there needs to be less waste. There needs to be less energy burn. There needs to be less natural gas is needed. There needs, like, we're running out of oil and all of this stuff that they keep saying. Wouldn't the answer be to dwindle our numbers? Now, I don't think we should do that by staging terrorist attacks and killing their own citizens 
to thin the numbers and things like that. But I don't think there's anything wrong with people just being like, look, yeah, I think there's enough people. Like, I like my grandma on both sides, my maternal and paternal grandmother, they both had like 13 kids apiece, bro. Between 1930, 1940, 50-something up until the 60s and 70s or whatever. <laughs> Like, why do we need to keep doing that? I think we learn from our grandparents, especially like, bro, I don't have no room for no 13 kids, let alone the fact that the economy is getting worse and worse, meaning the dollar stretches least, uh, less. So I can't even afford that. I can't even afford to have two kids, let alone 13. I have to work 18 jobs for that. But my point is, like, how y'all, as an older generation, boomers and whatever else they are, how y'all gonna tell young people that they tripping for not having more kids, but then y'all left the world all messed up for us in the first place? Y'all, everybody, they, every day I see some sort of ad or commercial about it's too much plastic in the ocean, there's too much fossil fuels being burnt, there's too much natural gas being used, we're fracking and, and messing up water supplies, we're there's, we're running out of fresh water in places, and there's not enough land, and all of these lies. I made a video on my YouTube, my Red Quran channel, like 12 years ago, talking about that very thing, because I saw a video, a, a commercial on TV of them saying, when you brush your teeth, make sure you turn your faucet off so that you can save water, because we're running out of water as people. But then I was like, what about Six Flags and Cedar Point? I'm not denying that maybe global warming is real. I think we see the effects of it all the time. Maybe. I don't know. I've never lived. I've only been alive for 35 years, so I don't know what weather does over centuries and centuries. Maybe this is just how it goes. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. But based on what I've been told, I can believe that maybe there's global, global warming. So that's true, right? But sometimes it makes me wonder, how much danger are we really in if you're saying we're running out of resources, we're using too much resources, and we're doing too much of this, and there's too many people living here, and there's too much of this. But then, in the very the same breath, you're telling millennials and Gen Zers and all of this stuff that they need to have more kids. Why would we keep having more kids if you're telling us the planet is not even going to be inhabitable for our kids? That's what I'm saying. That's the thought that the lion should have had. As a lion, if I'm on a safari struggling to find food for 20 days and I'm walking around in this hot-ass uh, African sun struggling to find a kill to feed myself or my tribe, why would I have kids in the first place to bring them into doing more of this? As a human, I feel the same way. Why would I give birth to more kids to bring them here to do? Now, don't bring this video back up once I have another kid, because I probably will. But my point is, you know, but that's going to come through planning and like, you know, I planned for my children. I didn't, 
you know, I have plans for my my kids. But I'm saying in in general, right? For a poor person, because rich people probably don't have to think like this. They already got the answers. But for a poor person, why would I have more kids to be doomed to repeat this? Now, there's always a possibility that they could rise above and achieve, but the statistics probably say something different. When you're born into poverty, your chances of repeating poverty is probably much higher than anything else. So why? If I'm a 23-year-old, 22, 21-year-old college student living on a campus eating instant noodles every night for lunch and I'm unhappy, unsure of my future and I don't have anything to my name, what about that makes me want to go and open my legs and give birth to another kid? For what? And I think people are smart enough and they're smartening up. I think young people especially they're like, bro, I'm not doing this. I'm not signing up for this. Like, you have no choice over whether or not you're born. But you can stop the cycle by just saying, bro, I'm not having no more kids to do to repeat this shit. I'm not doing that. Now, if you well off, you know, you already know your kids will probably be straight. You know, but most people ain't well off. Most people are living median average lifestyles where they're not really making it and they're not really failing either. And then a lot of people are below that line where they're just like going through it every day of their whole natural lives. Why would I have more kids? Of course, these young people are saying, no, no. I'm going to have more kids. I'm already drowning in debt. I'm only 21. I got $100,000 worth of school loans because colleges even get more expensive every day, every year. <clears throat> I don't know, man. I'm going to stop the conversation right here. It can go so many different ways, but you see what I'm saying? Like, thinking about the concept of life and what it means and why we're doing this can go so many different directions. If I'm a baby, if I'm a, a Gen Z or a, a Gen X or whatever, the, I don't know these generations, whatever. These young people today, my age and down, why would we have more kids? And y'all can't even figure it out for us. Of course they stop having babies. I know plenty of people in their 30s and their late 20s right now that don't have no kids. And I applaud them. You know, because first of all, this ain't easy. But secondly, bro... I wouldn't want to subject nobody to this evil. I wouldn't want to subject nobody to this suffering. I'm out, man. This is episode 13. I appreciate you so much um, for listening. I appreciate all the likes. I appreciate all the views. I appreciate all the dislikes. I appreciate all the negative comments, the positive comments, the inboxes, the texts, the phone calls, all of the things that people say to me when they walk through these doors in the studio encouraging, discouragement. I appreciate all of it because it's a part of it. But if you got something to say, say it. I talk back. You know what I'm saying? I'm a real person. A lot of people was leaving comments on my TikTok video when they went viral thinking that they weren't going to get a response because I was like some sort of disembodied person. But no, nah, bro, I'm really him. Like, I'm really 
the person on the camera. That's me. And when you respond, it goes straight to my phone that I pay for. So, yes, I'm going to respond straight to you. <laughs> Not all the time, because a lot of times I don't get I don't care. But I'm just saying, if I see it and I I'm in I'm in inspired to respond, yeah, my, I seen some of y'all clam up like, like, oh, I didn't know he was really gonna like call me out. Like, yeah, I, I'm gonna call you out. But yeah, bro, if you made it this far, let's pick a random. Let's if you made it this far in the comments, leave the word purpose. Purpose. Type the word purpose and leave it in the comments just so I know you made it to this point in the video. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you more than you will ever know that I do. And I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to somebody else. Whoever's seeing this part of the video, I'm talking to you. I appreciate you. I really do. Because this is important to me. It's therapeutic to me. I'm, I just was talking to my girlfriend about starting therapy. But until then, uh, this works fine. I get to spill my thoughts out into this camera and into this microphone and I get to talk about the things that I want to talk about without interruption. I get to bounce ideas off of myself and I get to be heard and it does wonders for my mind. Today was not a good day. Yesterday was not a good day mentally or emotionally. This month, these last two months, this winter time and just winter season has been tearing my ass up and this is all I got right now. Other than, you know, I'm not saying I, I'm down bad, but I'm saying as far as therapy, I got this and I got time with my loved ones and stuff to, like, keep me grounded. But this is huge for me. I like doing this because it keeps me from doing something stupid. Um, I'll see you a phony bitch. If age is just numbers, then why we fear time? Reincarnation, maybe Holly Selassie this time. What intarnation? Maybe I'm a philosopher slime. They still talk shit about me. Cut back your gossiping time. Dinosaurs down to the fossils. Gray hair follicles now.